You are listening to The Coach's Corner with your host, Alex Ramirez, on the Pro 10 Radio Network, a production of Pro 10 Global Sports. Enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to the Coach's Corner presented by Pro 10 Global Sports and Pro 10 International. Today is Wednesday, May 28th. I am your host, Alex Ramirez. Remember, you can call the show at area code 347-637-1197. You can also reach us on Twitter at Pro 10 Radio. Please check the Pro10Radio.com website for all the podcasts and future show information. I want to tell everybody that we've started a campaign or helping a campaign not to support the orphans at the Alora Academy in Africa that serve the less fortunate children across the slums of Kisumu City and Western Kenya. Please check the ProTenRadio.com website and click on the Donate button. It's a great way to get involved. Uh, we have a great show for you today, a very special guest. My guest today has held a variety of influential tennis industry roles for more than 30 years. They include President of Prince Sports, the Americas, President of Ball to Match, and Vice President General Manager of Racket Sports Division for Wilson Sporting Goods. Most recently, he launched a tennis consulting practice. His client list included the USTA, the ITA, Peter Burwash International, Off the Grid Technologies, and Don A. USA. He is now the CEO and Executive Director of the USPTA. John Embry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for being with us. And, John, I want to jump right in. I want to get to know John before he was uh, the, the CEO of the USPTA. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in tennis? <laughs> oh boy. Um yeah, I was, you know, I played tennis in high school and college and uh wasn't sure what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So, um after graduation from school in Virginia, I uh taught tennis. I had a couple couple of country clubs and at a at a resort and one thing led to another and and so my career got launched. I, I never thought I would make tennis my career, but I had a passion for it and and just pursued uh, things as they came along, and one door closed, another door opened up, and uh, there you have it. So it, it was a long, it's been a long, windy career, but uh, fantastic. There are very few people that can really say that they've been able to, uh, uh, you know, have make a make a living in a sport that they've been playing since they were six years old. So I'm very blessed and very fortunate to be able to be able to say that. Yes, absolutely. And they say that if you love your job, you'll never work another day in your life. So it looks like you've really been. Uh, doing what you love for a long time. Right, it's been great, I, and I've enjoyed my time, and uh, uh, still got a lot of work to do. So plenty, plenty more to come. <laughs> Absolutely. So in the years that you've taught, can you share with us uh, your coaching or teaching philosophy that you had in the years you were on the court? Oh boy, I don't know if I had one overriding philosophy. And most of my teaching was all done pretty much out of college. Um, okay. I, you know. It, Teaching for me is all a matter of communication. You've got to be able to connect with your students. And, you know, what you might say to one student that connects, you might say the same thing, though, to another student, and it doesn't connect. So I think one of the, right. the, the real key successful teachers are those teachers that are able to break through with every student, get them to understand what it is that you're trying to, commute, trying to get them to do and, and do it in such a fashion that, uh, that they really understand. There are a lot of visual learners out there, and so their learning learning can be done through visual visualization. Other 
others are auditory and it requires a little bit more more verbal skills so it just depends on your student and it depends on the structure of your lesson but the thing I think probably I learned more than anything else is is is, is you're only going to be as good as your communication skills and your your ability to connect with that student very good, very good. Now, you just recently moved a little over a year ago, a year and a half ago, from Chicago to Houston. How has that transition been for you and the family? Actually, it's, it's, it was a little bit more circuitous than that. Uh, we were actually living outside of Princeton because I had been there for my Prince days and was running my consulting practice out of Princeton. We moved from oh. Princeton. We moved from Princeton to Chicago to our house in Chicago that we had vacated after uh, uh, moving from Chicago to Princeton, went back to our house in Chicago, but sold it three days after we got there and fixed it up and then took this job down in Houston. So in 2012, we had two very, very distinctive and, and uh, huge moves. And then just recently this weekend, we moved again to another house here in Houston. So we've had six moves in five years. And that's not easy, but as far as my family is concerned, my kids are a little bit older. They're they're in college or in prep school, and they were able to stay put. So, uh, the move from Princeton to Chicago to Houston didn't affect them too much because they were pretty well situated in their school environments. Oh, very good, very good. Now, you just taken a, a big role with the with the USPTA. You started late 2012. You transitioned in. Can you talk a little bit about the process of taking the reins of such a large and accomplished organization? Yeah, it was a real challenge, and I and I loved it. Um, I, we used the fourth quarter of 2012 as a time to learn and train and transition and gather as much information as I possibly could. So I spent a lot of time on the road uh, during that fourth quarter uh, talking. I had two town hall meetings, one in Chicago, one in Dallas, with a variety of pros, um, attended a variety of meetings, industry meetings, and then interviewed all the staff members here in the Houston office, talked to all of them about the strengths, weaknesses of the organization, what they felt we could be doing better, how they could better perform their jobs. So by the time I really took the reins in Jan on January the 2nd, I really had a pretty good understanding about where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do. And, uh, and th three weeks later at our first board meeting in January, actually it was less than that, uh, put together a strategic plan that I wanted the board to, uh, to evaluate because the association needed a roadmap that needed uh, a strategic plan. It hadn't had one for a long time, and there were a lot of members that were really wondering where we were going, what we were doing, and uh, I really felt it was integral to our success going forward is that we had a roadmap and we had specific action items and specific goals that we wanted to achieve and make sure that I communicated that not only to the board and the executive committee but to our membership at large because I want everybody to be engaged. I want everybody to understand exactly what we're trying to accomplish I'm really transparent. I'm very open. I want people to understand exactly what's going on. There's nothing to hide. There shouldn't be anything to hide and because uh, it's, it's their association. It's not mine. It's our members' association. So it's important that they buy in, that they understand exactly where we're going, what we're doing. And, uh, and I think it's really given us a, a pretty solid course and uh, uh, an action that, uh, or, or a, a strategy for going forward, which I think everybody appreciates. Yes, absolutely. That's great to hear. I read in an interview that during this election process, you emphasized a we can do better approach to your leadership there at the USPTA. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, what that meant? You know, it's interesting. Uh, the association had done a lot of wonderful things. My predecessor led the organization for 30 great years and, and was, it was a monumental figure in the tennis industry. But 
in every organization there there are things that you can do better and there in every other in every organization you want to evaluate yourself and and turn over every stone and look underneath that stone and figure out okay is this the right thing to do is there a better way to doing it and if there is a better way we should do it and i know that there's some people that maybe don't like change change is hard change makes people feel uncomfortable but uh, in this day and age if you're going to move ahead and if you're going to uh, be more relevant, if you're going to try to drive more membership benefits, whatever it may be, you've got to look at what you're currently doing and ask the question, what if? What if we did it this way? What if we did it that way? And in a lot of circumstances, when you ask those questions and you did the evaluation, both financially and, and, and organizationally, you'd say, you know what, this is the right thing to do. We're going to keep going down that path. And there's no reason why uh, we wouldn't do that. But in those situations where you evaluate it and you say, you know what, this can be done better and why don't we go down this path and let's do it this way. And I think people embrace that. They recognize, they recognize that we needed to do some things differently. And uh, so in those situations where it made sense to change, we, we made those changes. In those situations where we decided to stay the same, we stayed the same. So it just depended upon this, uh, the, the topic and the matter and the item. And uh, I always want to evaluate things. I always want to look at things from a fresh perspective, and I think after 30 years it was time for a fresh perspective and for a little bit of a different bias and a little different uh, uh, sort of a, a knowledge base and opinion, and uh, I think people have really embraced uh, some of the things we've done. That is so great to hear. Uh, you also said in one of the interviews that I read that you met with everybody in the office individually and wanted to see what they were doing on a day-to-day -day basis. What was that experience like to get to see almost like the undercover boss, but not really undercover? Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go down that path. But look, I, being the newcomer coming in, it was a chance for me to get to know the employees. Number one, I wanted to get to know them as individuals. I wanted to know about them, not so much just about their their work life, but I want to know about their personal life. Who are they? Where are they from? What's their family life? What do they like to do? Uh, but I also valued and appreciated their perspective on things. What did they feel like the association wasn't doing very well? What was it doing well in their opinion? What was it not doing well in their opinion? What would they like what changes would they like to see? Because I think employees who are engaged, employees who are empowered, employees who recognize that they have some responsibility and authority and autonomy feel much better about themselves and their jobs. And I wanted all the employees and the staff to feel like hey, they have a chance to go ahead and put their mark on the association. And so that evaluation process was terrific for me to get to know them and for them also to get to know me. I asked them, what, what questions do you have of me? What do you want to know about me or my background or who I am or whatever? So it, it was just a, a good way to sort of start the, the, the process off of, of melding the organization together and moving in a different direction and getting buy-in from them in terms of what we we're going to do. And for me really to understand each employee's strength and their weaknesses. And if they had a weakness, what could we do to overcome those weaknesses and help them out? And if they had some strengths that were not being utilized or tapped into, we certainly wanted to be able to maximize them. So it was an evaluation process I think was very healthy for me. I don't know whether the employees feel that way. I hope they do, but uh, I think they do. <laughs> and, and it was, it was uh, really a, a cleansing and a worthwhile exercise. Yes, that's, it's really nice for them to be able to to meet you and see what you're about and what you want to do, and, and they, they got the feeling that you care about what they're doing, and that's very important. Right, um, right. We have a couple of questions. Go ahead. No, that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm done with that. It's good. 
Okay. Uh, we've got a couple of questions here from Facebook. A question from uh, TennisFan223. He says, uh, right now I feel like the organization does very little for the pros, and they charge a whole lot more than for membership dues than other organizations for basic services. For the USPTA to matter to me, I want to see it surpass the other organizations in terms of services it provides to me as a pro. More of a well, I happen I guess, to agree but, with uh, that. Let me, let me comment about that. I happen to agree with, with that particular individual. Um, one of the things that I've been absolutely committed to doing is offer much greater value for the benefits for, for the membership that our members are paying. Um, when I came in, there you, you could go to our website and you would see sixty some odd web sixty some odd benefits that were uh, associated with being USPTA member. But quite frankly, about fifty nine of those most people could care less about. For example, did that did the USPTA member really care that he got a ten percent discount on flowers.com? I mean, is that really going to move the needle for that USPTA professional? Not necessarily. And there were a lot of members, membership benefits that didn't make, didn't amount to a hill of beans, in my opinion, in terms of real value. So one of my main charges and one of the things that I've really tried to incorporate into the strategic plan is to develop uh, greater benefits, increased benefits for our members so that they feel darn proud about writing that check every year. Now, I'm not sure what other associations and what other organizations this, this individual is talking about. It could be PTR, it could be USTA, it could be a variety of, of, of people, I'm not sure. But if you look at a, an organization like ours called Club Managers Association of America, which is all the general managers of country clubs in, in the United States, 3,000 or 3,500 of them, they're paying significantly higher dues, like $800 a year uh, versus our 255 and they have to pay significantly more to go to a conference for the same for education. I mean, it's it's a big, big number. Uh, if you're a member right. of the Intercollegiate Tennis Association, the college coaches, their dues are $495 for a D1 coach, which is twice as much as there are 255 So there, there are uh, organizations that have lower memberships, but it, to me, that's not important. What's important is that we offer value and that we offer greater benefits. And I want to, if I could, I'd like to take a little bit more time to talk about those because I think it's something that, that, that our members who are listening maybe not be aware of, although I've communicated a lot about it in, 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 in our Advantage and, and New Tennis Industry magazine, but we've got to offer greater value. So I was shocked and surprised that, A, we never had, that, that the USPTA never had a medical program, a medical insurance program. Well, whether you like Obamacare or not, it's here to stay, and starting in 2014, for those independent pros and any professional who can't find health insurance, can now get it through a USPTA affiliation we have with Woodrow Sawyer and Digital Insurance, which is the largest med online medical insurance provider in the country. Uh, that was a big deal for me because I felt like if we could offer medical care for those pros that have a pre-existing condition or found it very expensive to get insurance because they're an independent contractor, now they can do it. And I was, I'm really happy that we're able to get people uh, that, 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 that benefit if they want it. Um, secondly, we've never had a retirement program. You're kidding. We've never had a retirement program. Why is that? Right. Couldn't answer. No, nobody could answer that. So I, I got, one of my first phone calls was to the PGA of America because I know they've had a retirement plus program for their PGA pros for the last 12, 13 years now. And I asked them and I probed them, how do you do that? What is it that, what's involved? Tell me about it, blah, blah, blah. And they offer one product, which is a variable insurance annuity, 
for pros that have uh, at Greengrass Pro Shops, for pros that have country club pro shops, and you know that there are a lot of pro shops that are Greengrass clubs, where they could contribute to a Retirement Plus program, their retirement program. But the big kicker is the fact that there are all these manufacturers that are also contributing to that Retirement Plus program. So when you walk into a pro shop at a country club, at a resort, and that golf pro, what the biggest kiosk that they have in that pro shop is Titleist Golf Balls and FootJoy Shoes. And the reason why is because those two companies were the founding members of the PGA Retirement Pro Plus program. And it, what it means is that every time a golf pro buys balls, golf balls, or shoes, golf balls from Titleist or shoes from FootJoy, those two manufacturers contribute back a percentage of the sales of the purchases made to that pro's retirement program. And now they have 42 companies involved in the Retirement Plus program. And I said, that is a brilliant idea. Why can't we do that for our pros? So we now, awesome. have, we now have, starting January 1st, a Retirement Plus, Retirement Gold Plus program for our pros who do have the ability, who own a pro shop or have managerial responsibility for a pro shop. They now have the ability to go ahead and set up a retirement program, and actually every member of the USPTA should set up a retirement plus program, especially these under 30 pros that are getting involved in the game. But every pro now that has a pro shop should set up a retirement plus program with our financial company called Paloma Financial. They're going to offer a variety of products and services for that professional. They can contribute after-tax dollars, so it's a non-qualified plan, but every manufacturer that we bring into the association from now on is going to have to make a contribution to the Retirement Plus program. So those pros that can purchase product from those manufacturers, a percentage of those purchases will go to their Retirement Plus program. We now have four companies. Prince, we get 5% back that goes back to the, to the tennis pro on the purchases of rackets and strings and grips and bags and stringing machines and play-and-stay equipment. And 2.5% on Prince tennis balls will automatically go back to that pro's Retirement Plus program because we're going to be able to track the sales of that pro in their shop. Nike through Framuth, if a pro buys more than $750 of the product of footwear or apparel for their pro shop or for their ladies' league team's uniforms or for their junior, any uniform purchases, 5% of those purchases go back to the Retirement Plus program. Hopperazzi is giving 5% back on hoppers. And Netnacks, if you want to buy T-shirts or you want to buy trophies or net, you know, some knickknacks for your club members, gifts, awards, 3% is going back to the Retirement Plus program. So what pro who's in a position to buy product wouldn't want to have a Retirement Plus program and have the vendors kicking in towards that? It's a no-brainer. It's going to make their purchasing decisions so much more obvious. So yeah, those, are just two, those are just two of the more significant benefits that I feel like we're offering now. We've got a brand-new magazine. We've taken ten Advantage magazine. We've incorporated it into Tennis Industry magazine. It's a larger publication with more content than we ever could provide. What's also great about it is that the USPTA messaging is being seen by the entire industry. We also went to the USTA and asked them for, for our members to be able to get access to every Emirates Airlines U.S. Open Series event in the summer of 2013 and this summer of 2014, you show your USPTA membership card. When you go to the gate, they will let you in for free on the Monday through Thursday or the Monday through Friday. They can't do it Friday, Saturday, Saturday and Sunday during the semifinals and finals. But early in the week, every pro should go to a tournament near them 
and take their junior development kids, take their ladies' league teams, show their membership card, they personally get in for free. That's a very tangible, quantifiable benefit for our members. There are other things that are coming. In fact, I can, I, I, I've got a laundry list of things that we're offering. I've got a brand-new program with TrueCard.com. They've just gone public. They're going to offer our members a brand-new USPTA website on any brand of any automobile in the country, leasing or buying outright or buying a used car. They're going to get 3000 on an average of $3,046 over uh, below MSRP, plus they're going to get some added benefits, which is going to be $2,000 worth of uh, um, maintenance costs, deductible costs over the course of the first year, et cetera, et cetera. So there's really a lot of good stuff happening that we want to give our membership and more to come. So I just want to let everybody know that, and particularly that, that individual who wrote that email to you, we are, I'm, going to, I'm so committed to making sure that we offer valuable benefits that our members can feel really, really good about and be damn proud to be a member of the association. And I'm sorry for the long-winded question, but there's a lot going on there that I wanted to get to. And, you know, that's, that's great to hear because a lot of the people listening, I'm sure that's on their mind as well. Uh, I'm a USPTA member, you know, and, and I was curious about that. And so that, uh, that answers the question and that it gives you hope that, hey, the winds are turning and things are happening and, and good things are on the horizon. Uh, we're up against the clock. We're going to take a break. Uh, right back in a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. Gatorade was created over 50 years ago when a University of Florida assistant football coach approached a team of physicians and asked them to determine why so many of his players lacked endurance. The researchers discovered two key factors were causing the Gator players to wilt. The electrolytes and the carbohydrates the players' bodies used for energy were lost through sweat and were not being replaced. The researchers took these findings to the lab and scientifically formulated a new, precisely balanced carbohydrate-electrolyte beverage that adequately replaced the key components lost by the Gator players through sweat and exercise. They called this concoction Gatorade. Fueling legends for over 50 years. Gatorade, is it in you? Den Academy is a family affair. You know, my dad, my wife, my brother, myself, we're all a part of it. We all grew up in tennis. We all are passionate about tennis. Being on the court with your son is good. We both have a good time with it. We both say things differently but mean the same thing. Let's see the grip. Don't change it. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. What makes a great coach is many things, but it ultimately comes down to seeing the game correctly and then being able to communicate that to the player efficiently, right? So just nice and whippy behind that ball. When you finally get through to a player and you get them on the same page as you are, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling. Oh, oh, nice. Giddiness. You get giddy. You know, you get excited. It's, it's, it's this competition. This is emotion. It's, it's intensity out there. I mean, you know, that's what passion is all about, right? Hi, this is Vic Braden, and you're listening to the Pro 10 Radio Network. Catch me live on the Coach's Corner, Thursday, May 29th at 7 p.m.
And welcome back to the Coach's Corner here on the Pro 10 Radio Network. We are talking with John Embry, USPTA CEO. And we just talked a lot about uh, all the benefits that are coming with the USPTA membership. We had a question from uh, one of the listeners. And, and John, thanks for sharing all that with us. I'm sure that that was a lot of helpful information. And keeping in that tune, the USPTA, uh, obviously the member, the certification P1, P2, P3, but since there's been more designations that have been added, can you talk a little bit about those, those new designations? Actually, that's not quite true. We've actually trimmed it back. Um, starting oh, you have? Yeah, starting in January of 2014, we, we modified the structure, and the reason why we did that is because P1, P2, P3 is confusing, and it's confusing for not only the end user, but the fact is we're not really, we weren't able to really communicate that well outside our own walls, being the USPTA walls. For example, if you go to a CMAA manager, a club manager who's also employing PGA professionals, P1 is the lowest rating that a professional golfer has, yet it was the highest rating next to our master pro within the USPTA. So there was a conflict right. there. And with the strength of the PGA there, and with the strength of their brand, there was a lot of confusion, and so what we decided to do was to eliminate the numerical um, uh, uh, ratings and just we changed our P1 status to elite professional, and we grandfathered everybody in that was already a P1. They are now elite professionals starting January 1st of 2014. And then what we did is we combined what was the P2 and P3 categories and combined that group to become professionals so that everybody that was in those two categories now are just rated professionals, USPTA certified professionals, and anybody coming into the organization starting January 1st of 2014 could only come in as a USPTA professional. And then if they wanted to elevate their standards and raise themselves to become an elite professional, they have to go through 80 hours or 40 credits of education and, and in order to be able to be upgraded, which will take a year or so or a couple of years to go ahead and do that. So... The new professional that's coming in the USPTA who's a younger kid coming out of college who wants to get into the game of tennis, who wants to become a teaching professional, uh, we changed the testing material, we changed the content that the person had to go ahead and study because that, that young 23, 24-year-old kid doesn't need to know about the business of tennis, the pro shops, or the history of tennis. What they need to know is how to be a better teacher. And so now we changed our exam and the certification test to help them become better teachers so they can be come out when they go on court, they can be actually give a better lesson. And then as they progress through their career and they take more continuing education and they learn a little bit more about what, it like, what it's like to be a career professional, then they can go ahead and go ahead and think about uh, upgrading to an elite. So now we only have four categories, master, elite, professional, recreational coach versus master, P1, P2, P3, and recreational coach. So we've gone from five categories down to four, actually. That sounds really great. And it came actually from a, from a uh, listener that, that was asking mostly about um, the differences with PTA and PTR as far as the PTR having a standardized method of teaching where the PTA was more cover certain things in the test, make sure you cover the important things. Uh, can you talk a little bit about is, is the PTA moving towards having a more standard methodology of teaching, especially at the beginning, or is it still pretty much going to be cover these certain things and make sure you cover those important things? But do it with your style of teaching. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a clear differentiation between the two organizations. Number one, PTR, and I'm not going to talk bad about our competition. I would never do that um, because there, there are a lot of really good things that they do. What PTR does is, yes, they do have standard methodologies, but they also 
certify professionals in specific tracks. You want to be a ten on a track. You want to go to the ten on a track. They've got a specific curriculum for that, and they'll certify you for that. If you want to be eleven, you want to focus on eleven to seventeen year olds or high performance or adult. Those are their four tracks. We don't believe in that as USPTA. We believe that as a professional, you need to be well-schooled in all categories, in all theories, in everything. And we don't believe that there's just one way to teach a forehand or one way to teach a backhand. There are a lot of very creative and ingenious and better ways of teaching that every pro should have the ability to go ahead and offer. So we don't believe in standardization. We believe in flexibility. And it's a matter of how you communicate that. It's a matter of making that student feel better. And we don't believe in having one specific or two or three or four specific education tracks. We believe a professional, a true professional, should be experienced in all categories. Very good, very good. And you also talked about continuing education points. And uh, do I understand that if you are coming as a professional, for you to be an elite professional, you have to get the continuing education points, the number of points, to be able to upgrade, or can you upgrade at any time? No, actually, let's talk about continuing education in general. Well, I'll, I'll talk about the elite profession. If you're going to, if you're, if you are now a professional and you want to upgrade to elite, you're going to be required to have a, a 40 credits of continuing education before you can even apply to upgrade, and that's a significant okay. there. There, there, there are courses that people can take online. There's a lot of education that's going to go into making sure that that person is qualified to become an elite professional. But let me talk about continuing education in general because the association has, <clears throat> has wrestled with continuing education for quite some time. In fact, continuing education was a requirement up until the middle 90s, and then it was dropped, and it hasn't been instituted since then. But we now have alignment with PTR and the USTA and USPTA that as of January 1st of 2014, every USPTA professional at every level, whether you're elite or a professional or a recreational coach, not a recreational, but elite professional, you're going to have to take 12 hours or six credits continuing education over the course of three years in order to keep your membership. Now, it's not a lot. You go to one division conference, you've knocked out your six hours of, of, of credits or your six credits that's required for those three years. The good news is that if you go to now the new Coach Youth Tennis Workshop to learn about tenor tennis, tenor tennis, three and a half hours of online workshops in your home at your front desk and at your desk in front of your computer, that will now qualify you for your six credits that you desert that you need for that continuing education requirement, and that's very very easy to do. For the first time, we're requiring this continuing education in the last 15 to 20 years. We're also asking everybody who comes in to, who wants to become a professional to take seven hours of education prior to certification. We've never done that before. Anybody could take a test prior to 2014. Anybody could take a test at any time and become certified without having any pre-education. Now right. we're asking everybody to go to Coach Youth Tennis and PTR and USTA and USPTA are aligned on this, everybody that's going to go into either professional organization, PTR or USPTA, they have to complete the three and a half hours of online uh, for Coach Youth Tennis and then a three and a half hour face-to-face -face workshop on Tenor Tennis. Once you complete that, then you can, you're eligible to go ahead and take your certification test for either organization. So it's the first time that all the teaching organizations and the governing body are, are together on this. We want people to be educated. You know, you go to Canada, you go to France, you go to Australia, it's 300 hours or 400 hours of education 
before you can even take your certification test, before you can even get hired to become a tennis professional. Well, we're the only developed nation that doesn't have any education requirements prior to certification. We need to move in that direction. Change is hard. A lot of people don't like that, but it's the right thing to do. And then there isn't a lawyer, an accountant, a doctor, any professional in any industry has to have continued education in order to keep their certification. CMAA requires it. Accountants require it. Accountants have to have 40 hours of online training every year in order to keep their license. Well, we're only asking for six credits. It's not a lot. And we're going to make education really, really easily, more easily accessible to our members so they can get that education. But at the end of 2016, if our members haven't gotten that, they haven't complied with that six credits, they're going to get their membership suspended. And there are a lot of people that don't participate in continuing education events, but they're going to have to now or they're going to have their membership uh, put in limbo. Right. It's, and it's good. It's, people need to keep up with, Alex, with what's say, going on. It's the right thing to do for our organization. It's the right thing to do to elevate, and our mission statement as an organization is to elevate the standards of teaching professionals and coaches. It is not a lot to ask our members to have six credits over the course of three years and elevate them and make them better professionals, and that's what we're trying to do. Right, absolutely. I agree. I think that's great uh, for the, for us as pros to be able to figure out what's going on. And, you know, on that note, I know that the, the Tennis Teachers Conference is coming up uh, at the U.S. Open. Can you talk a little bit about that opportunity for the pros? Yeah, I, I'm really delighted about this partnership with the USTA because this is really a significant element. You know, I... I as many years as I've been in the industry, I always wondered why would the USPTA had its World Conference three weeks after the teachers, Tennis Teachers Conference that was in New York. We had members that were making decisions about which one they wanted to go to. Did they want to go to New York in the US Open Teachers Conference? But they probably couldn't go to the US Open to our USPTA World Conference three weeks later. Manufacturers had to go to two different trade shows. It was hard for the industry to go to two different trade shows. And we have a lot of professionals in our association that have never been to New York that have never been to the U.S. Open. Are you kidding me? So why not give them the opportunity to go to New York, get their World Conference, everything that we have at a World Conference, and be able to have access to the U.S. Open. The USTA and our partnership, we're working on this. We've been working on this now for about a year, and it's a terrific opportunity. The conference is going to be fantastic, a spectacular three days of education. But the fourth day, on Monday the 25th, the first day of the U.S. Open, the USTA is giving every registered participant at the Tennis Teachers Conference a free grounds pass to the U.S. Open, free transportation from the Grand Hyatt Hotel in New York on 42nd Lex, and hospitality on site. So they're going to be able to go into the indoor courts where the corporate hospitality areas is. They're going to be able to get a burger, a hot dog, a beer, a Coke, escape the heat, sit with their friends, and then go back out there and watch the matches. If we didn't have that partnership with USTA in this conference, we could never that offer that to our USPTA members, and it's fantastic. And plus... They're going to be able to stay over. If a USPTA member wants to stay over Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and go the rest of the first week, they're going to get the same rate at the hotel. They'll still get the free transportation, and they have the opportunity to buy tickets between now and uh, June 13th, I think, to buy extra tickets for extra days. So what a fantastic benefit that we're offering our members. And we're also going to give them people and educator uh, seminar speakers that we never could recruit to our conference three weeks after the US Open. Because it's in New York, and there's so many people from the tennis industry all over the world coming to New York. We're able to recruit speakers for the conference that we could never get to our world conference three weeks later. For example, Judy Murray, who's going to be one of our speakers and our, and our uh, headliners, 
she would not go leave the U.S. Open in New York, go home to England, and expect to come back to our tennis te- to our World Conference three weeks later because it just doesn't fit into her schedule. Now, because she's going to be in New York, she's going to be able to be a speaker. What a fantastic opportunity for us. And there are other people like that. Some of our other headliners are going to be in the same fashion. So it's just a great opportunity, and I can't wait for our members to be there in New York and experience New York, experience a conference. It's going to be different than our other world conferences. Make no mistake about it. And it's going to be non-branded because we're inviting everybody to come. PTR, non-certified members, industry people. We want everybody to be at this industry-wide event. And I think it's going to be very special. That is going to be awesome. I'm actually attending. I'm looking forward to it. We do have a question from, uh, his name is David Sanchez. He says, is the USPTA only for U.S. citizens? I teach in Mexico. Am I able to get certified? Yeah, that's, you know, that's an interesting question. And, and we do certification here in the United States. We don't do any certification necessarily outside the United States. So he's coming from Mexico. He would have to sign up for a test somewhere in the southwest uh, in Arizona or here in Texas and take the test here. We'd be happy to have him part of our association, but we're not set up and structured to have uh, certification tests outside the United States other than in China and in Hong Kong and in Japan. Those are the only other markets where we do that. It's something that we're looking at uh, for, for potential growth. We haven't really focused on the international markets up until this point recently because we've been focusing so much on the U.S. marketplace. But I think as an opportunity for growth, uh, we should be doing that. It's just a matter of how we do it, what's the cost-benefit of doing it, who's going to have the availability to go ahead and do tests in Mexico or South America or wherever, and how many people could we get involved. So it's a little bit of a complicated question, but the answer is we don't right now have the ability to go ahead and test in Mexico, but yes, we would love to have him, him as a member of the USPTA. He's just got to come to the United States and be certified. That's a great question from David. Uh, we're coming up on a break. We'll be right back. Uh, don't go anywhere. One short, one short break. One second. We'll be right with you. Visit the U.S. Pro Tennis Shop for the latest in USPTA merchandise, including educational DVDs featuring our TV series that airs on the Tennis Channel, On Court with USPTA. For a complete list of USPTA departments and contact information, please visit our homepage, click on About USPTA, and then click on National Staff. Thank you for holding. Someone will be right with you. Calling the United States Professional Tennis Association, the world's oldest and largest organization of tennis teaching professionals. Have you visited? Hello. Hello, John. Are you there? John.
fast you were going, son. Call me Ed. Do you know how fast you were going, Ed? You mean exactly? Yes, exactly. No, not exactly. How fast? Fast. Fast, sir? You were going very fast. Fast is my job, officer. Fast is your job? Yes, sir. What kind of job? I deliver, sir. What do you deliver? The world's greatest gourmet sandwiches. I thought Jimmy John's had the world's greatest gourmet sandwiches. Jimmy John's does have the world's greatest gourmet sandwiches. So you deliver for Jimmy John's? I deliver for Jimmy John's. So do you always deliver fast? I always deliver fast. How fast? I deliver subs so fast you'll freak. It's not smart to freak a cop, son. You didn't order Jimmy John's sub, sir. So if I did order a Jimmy John's sub, when would I get it? Now. What if I don't want it now? Then call later. Or I can pick it up myself. Or you can pick it up yourself. Because I'm pretty fast, too. I'm sure you are, sir. Very fast. I believe you, sir. Faster than you. No way, sir. Way faster. In your dreams. You dissing me, son. No, sir. I'm polite. Fast and polite. Very polite and very, very fast. Is that a challenge, son? No, sir. It's a fact. Let's burn rubber, kid. You wouldn't be fair. Why not? You've got a fully blown VA Camaro with slicks and headers, so. I've got a 10 speed bike. I'll let you off with a warning. <laughs> they try and make it seem like they want to protect kids from smoking. But in reality, they've been targeting children for decades. They used to make and sponsor cartoons to market cigarettes. But despite these shows being popular among children, they claimed that these cartoons were for an adult audience. Then they paid movies to feature their brands. Some of your favorite superhero movies have characters that the industry actually paid to smoke on screen. One industry exec said that, We must continue to exploit new opportunities to get cigarettes on screen and into the hands of smokers. And now they carefully place posters and other ads at convenience stores and push new products that look and taste just like candy. Who eats candy and sees ads that are three feet off the ground? Come on. So you want to know why I'm tobacco-free? Because I don't want their marketing to reach my little system. That's why. Learn more at whydoyouthink.com. That's the letter Y, do you think.com. Hi, this is 10-time Grand Slam doubles champion Ann Smith, and you're listening to the Pro 10 Radio Network. Catch me live on the Players' Lounge, Thursday, May 29th at 7 p.m. Pacific. We're back on the Coach's Corner on the Pro 10 Radio Network. We had a little bit of a glitch there. I don't know what happened or first time experiencing that. But we're back with John Embry of the USPTA. Uh, we dove into a lot. Last we talked about the Tennis Teachers Conference coming up in New York, a lot of exciting stuff. And, uh, John, I want to backtrack a little bit and talk about you've had a, a great career in the tennis industry. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your, your time at Wilson? Yeah, it's uh, it was it was probably one of my you know great great rides uh, of my career, um, seventeen and a half years, and I think my first job there, which I did for about seven years, was maybe the best job I'd ever had, and that was the director of racket sports promotions. I was hired to um, handle all the tour players, um, deal with all the teaching pro organizations, identified young and up and count, uh, up and coming talent with the uh, young juniors around the world. And traveled six months of the year. I was single at the time, traveling six months of the year all over the world, going to all the major events, and uh, just had a fabulous experience. And it really gave me a, a breadth of knowledge about the industry itself, about the players and the importance that the players have, of recruiting of kids, uh, how strong the brand was. And from there, went on to be a, a product manager for tennis balls and 
actually developed the U.S. Open ball. That was one of the products that I that I personally developed. That was an interesting conversation, an interesting uh, uh, scenario, and how that all started. But that was terrific, and then went from there to be the performance racket uh, a person, product manager, developing all the performance rackets. Line at the time was the hammers, and the six-two hammer was was the big racket that came out uh, during uh, uh, my time there. And then. Uh, when my boss, Jim Ball, was promoted to be president of Wilson, um, he asked me to go ahead and serve as the vice president general manager of Wilson Racket Sports on a global basis, and I did that for six and a half years. So had a terrific career, have it, had, a, had a W stamped on my head for a long time, and uh, it took me a while to get over that, but uh, really enjoyed my time there and learned so much about the the history of the game through great guys like Vic Braden, and I know he's going to be on your show in a couple of days, and, and uh, the Gene Buicks of the world, the Jack Kramers of the world, learned so much about uh, who came before us and, and have a much better appreciation for the, for the history of the game because of my, my relationship with those guys along with the many of the tour players that I dealt with at the time. That is great. That is really good. We actually have a question here from, uh, his name is uh, USPTA Pro Brenton James from Georgia. He asks, will there be USPTA opportunities for learning and partnership at the French Open and Wimbledon, similar to that of the Australian Open via their tennis teachers conference in January. Yeah, you know that that was interesting. That was another one of the benefits that I didn't get to mention earlier. The Australian Open was a terrific trip, and we had 34 people that went on there, uh, USPTA professionals with spouses, significant others, whatever, and had a great time. And it was a wonderful partnership that we developed with Tennis Australia. And you know, I felt it actually was an idea that came from a USPTA member that had been on a trip with me when I was back in my Wilson days when I coordinated a trip to the French Open. Uh, he was actually on that trip with his wife, and he said, you know, John, we got to go to the Australian Open. Can you pull that off? And we were able to do that, and he and his wife actually ended up signing up and went down with her. So it was fantastic. had a great time. And So the question is, can we do something similar to that with the French uh, and with Wimbledon? Wimbledon is a very, very tough tournament because everybody's got to understand that Wimbledon is a private club. It's at the All England Club. And it's not a public venue. It's very privately held. Tickets are impossible to get because all the members are the ticket holders. So it's impossible to get tickets, and so I wouldn't feel comfortable even trying for Wimbledon. Plus the fact that summertime is always the busiest time for our pro, most of our pros, and it would be tough for a lot of those pros to get away in the summertime. Uh, the French Open, probably a little bit uh, more easily accessible, but not very much. I uh, don't have the relationship with the French Tennis Federation like I do with Craig Tiley at Tennis Australia, so uh, it's a possibility that that could happen down the road. But it's not something I'm pursuing right now because I think the Australian Open was such a great trip. And we are offering it again, by the way, for those members that are listening, uh, in 2015. And if you've never been down to Australia, this is the time to go because you get the benefit of the conference. You get six sessions at the the Australian Open. Plus, we do some great tourist things that really give you a sense of the city of Melbourne and and the surrounding area with the uh, the, going down the Great Ocean Road to the Twelve Apostles, going to a a vineyard in, in the Yarra Valley. There are just so many great things to do, and, and we were able to play grass in Kuyong, which used to be the host site for the Australian Open, and a dinner with the Australian Open coaches on Sunday night before the Australian Open started. If you ever wanted to go to Australia, folks, this is the time. You'll never get it at this price. You've got to do it. It's fantastic. We had a great time. The friendships that were established, uh, so I would really encourage everybody to go. But right now, the French and Wimbledon are just not really on our target. If we do the Austra- Australian and, the, and U.S. Open, I think that's a pretty good start for our members. Thank you, Brenton, for that question. And uh, we're getting close to the end of the show. I have a couple more questions. Uh, John, what is your vision for the association here in the, in the next couple of years? 
Well, we put that strategic plan that I mentioned earlier, and we've got five core pillars that we're trying to accomplish, and those five core pillars I've publicized in all of our magazines. But we've got to be financially sound and relevant. We have to grow our membership 5% a year for the next three years. We have to be uh, uh, elevate our standards of our members, which is our third core pillar, which I talked about earlier. We have to be much more strongly aligned with allied organizations like the USTA, like Club Managers Association, URSA, and anybody that's a stakeholder in tennis. And fifth, we've got to be more diverse and inclusive. We tend to be white, all-male, over 50, and we've got to be much more uh, interested in reaching out to populations, even female. We only have 18% of our membership is female. We've got to have more females. We've got to appeal to the Latin community, the Asian community, the African-American community, much more than we have in the past. So that, those are our five core pillars and in that strategic plan, and each one of those four or five core pillars, we've got action steps that we're trying to follow up on and, and enact, and we're making a lot of progress in each of those areas. That's awesome. That's awesome. And last question, so everybody's got to know, your prediction for the French Open, men and women, who do you think is going to win it? <laughs> well, now that you've lost Serena and Lee Na, uh, it's better for me answering <laughs> this question today than I did than I would have had to answer it a couple days ago. Exactly. Um, Jeez, you know, I don't know. It's wide open now. I mean, it is really wide open. Uh, Rod Wanska, maybe I, I couldn't tell you. It's going to be a really interesting dynamic for the women's side because of because losing those two players. So I couldn't even hazard a guess. I guess you, you got to give Sharapova a shot now that you know the fact that those two are gone. Uh, she might be the front runner right now, but we'll see. It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. On the men's side, again, I, I don't have any idea. I, I'm not in the business of predicting <laughs> outcomes. If I were, I wouldn't be in this job. I'd be doing something else. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, your favorite players out there play well, and you can enjoy the enjoy the tournament like we're all enjoying the tournament. Uh, John, any last words for our listeners before we head off? No, thanks, Alex, for the opportunity to to talk a little bit. I hope I was uh, able to give everybody a little bit more insight about the organization, where we're going, what we're, what we're heading, what we're planning on doing. We want to be much more relevant. We want to be much more dynamic. I want people to make the first call to a USPTA professional if they're looking for tennis instruction or if they're looking for an association that can really do things at the grassroots. We are the delivery system in the United States. Make no mistake about it. We are that delivery system, and we want people to take great pride in our organization, and hopefully they're starting to feel that and because uh, we're making so many great changes and great strides. So thanks to everybody for their support of the organization, and uh, I, I really appreciate the time that uh, you gave me today, Alex. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for being with us. Much success to you in the near future, and hopefully we'll see you in New York. All the best, Alex. Thanks for registering, and tell everybody about it at the conference and uh, get more of your reader, uh, your listeners to come. That would be great. Thanks very much. Absolutely. Have a good day. Bye-bye. That was uh, John Embry, CEO of the USPTA. Great to have him on board. This has been another edition of the Coach's Corner on the Pro 10 Radio Network. For John Embry, this is Alex Ramirez signing off. Have a great day, and God bless. Folks. <laughs>